This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott, are you ready for this one? I am, and I know you're flying blind over there. I am. Our Zoom is not... Whoa! I just saw you. I just saw you. I And you okay. gave it. Oh, wait. And the weird okay. Zoom thing happened where Scotty put his thumb up and then and the thumbs up. up bubble came up. Okay. So maybe we're, maybe we're on our way. Who maybe cares? something good's about Let's to happen. Let's just go. Let's try and record it. Let's do we it. We have been trying to get in touch with each other for 20 <laughs> full minutes. Uh, here it is. I could wait a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to. All right. Amazon let its driver's urine be sold as an energy drink. Well, that doesn't seem right to me. That seems <laughs> hard to swallow. Uh, this is going to be a tasty little episode of Bananas. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to Bananas. I'm sitting across from the man that I'm going to be walking 19 miles with tomorrow. Hell yeah. Door to shore, Scotty Landis. And that's the number one comedian in North America, bar none, Kurt Brownoller, Curdy B. Thank you for listening to the silliest little podcast there ever was, Bananimals. We love having you on board. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for tomorrow. The, of course, when you hear this, it, it will be over. But we'll, hopefully you'll have seen the adventure on Instagram. Um, we'll be posting the whole day. Yeah, it's going to be great. And thanks for everybody. There's so many teams. I think on our next episode that you and I record, just you and me, I might go through the emails and DMs and find all the different teams. It's certainly over 25 at this point and so thanks for everybody doing your own door to shores and the people that did it before we did for whatever scheduling reason i mean you guys are the real heroes here that's so great i love it so much oh yeah um, well i want to do a little so this this great thing happened that oh. we were tangentially a part of kurt okay i'm going to read you a dm we got from katie mlx okay okay hello longtime listener from yorkshire England here with a random question mm-hmm. and request. Mm-hmm. My partner Chris and I are going to New York City soon for the first time ever for my 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. We've been together for 10 years and decided, screw it, we're going to get married at City Hall. Yay. We'll probably do it Monday, October 16th. Okay. Do you know anybody in NYC who would want to be up as our witness or would you be able to put it up for a shout out? So... 
they're gonna they were like we're gonna try to find a photographer blah 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 but it would be more memorable if we had an actual person ideally someone nice and kind and weird and funny they can wear whatever the heck they want they just need an id and to commit in advance so we can enter their name on the form okay so i wrote to my buddy bryce your friend bryce he was rod ranger at our yeah. Brooklyn live show and bryce went he went last he week he sent me pictures and katie sent me pictures it went swimmingly it's uh katie said bryce just witnessed our marriage thank you so much for putting us in touch with him they're all drinking beers together <laughs> to celebrate this marriage <laughs> bryce was like scotty they're actually amazing nice people we might even stay in touch so <laughs> congratulations to Katie and Chris, first of all, for getting married in New York City, your first time visiting, and your 40th birthday. And I got to say, Bryce's Banana of the Week, and maybe oh my God. maybe Power Banana Status for going and witnessing a stranger. Yes, it's Power Banana Status. This is Power Banana. That is the top tier of any bananimal. But, so thank you, Bryce Craver. Thank you, Bryce. A great guy, an old buddy, a wonderful actor, but just an all-around... You want friends in life that you go, hey, will you do something dumb? And they go, yes. <laughs> they don't say, what is it? They go, yes. And Bryce was like, sure, I'll get in touch with them. And they all figured it out outside of the podcast. And so, yes, Bryce witnessed Katie and Chris's wedding in New York City on Monday. Congratulations to everyone. Oh, that's great. That is so wonderful. Um, so good. That's great. Congratulations. Be like Bryce. Congratulations. Be like Bryce. That should be the name of this episode. Be like Bryce. Good with me. Make it so, Katie. Here it is, Scotty. Mm-hmm. This one was sent in by my brother, Walter Brownoler. I've met him. Texted it straight to me. Here it is. Good man. Amazon let its driver's urine be sold as an energy drink. Yummy. This is... Delightful, Prime. and this ties in with a previous episode of Bananas, which is a very nice tie-in. So this is a really great ep- uh, article. I'm having fun. This is p- published in Wired. That's real. Written by Amit Katwala. Thank you, Amit. Ooh. You are the best in the biz when it comes to pee-pee the drinks. The best in the biz, pee-pee drinks. The drink had all the hallmarks of a beverage sensation. Striking design, bold font, bold font and the punchy name, Release. Oh, come on. (laughs) But inside each bottle was filled with urine allegedly Mm. discarded by Amazon delivery drivers and collected from plastic bottles by the side of the road. That didn't Mm. stop Amazon from listing it for sale, though. Release even attained number one bestseller status in the, quote, bitter lemon category. Gotta be kidding. It was created by Uba Butler for a new documentary, The Great Amazon Heist, which airs on Channel 4 in the UK today. Mm. Uh, Butler is a journalist, presenter, and renowned puller of stunts. He's probably most famous for turning his shed in a London garden into the number one ranked restaurant on TripAdvisor. That's right. Do you remember that That guy? Of course. That was the best. That guy is so great. Uh, the great Amazon heist begins with him infiltrating an Amazon distribution center in Coventry with a hidden camera and speaking to workers who complain of foot and back pain, potentially dangerous working conditions, and near-constant yeah. surveillance. Butler spends his first day unloading a baking 
hot truck with no working fan or air conditioning. Amazon Yeesh. spokesperson James Drummond says, quote, nothing is more important than employee safety and well-being mm -hmm. and that the company provides protective clothing and footwear and has, quote, dedicated health and safety teams on site. Butler happens to be uh, present during a hiring spree at the Coventry Warehouse. At the okay. time, workers were trying to gain union recognition, and the GMB union has since accused Amazon of deliberately hiring Hundreds of extra staff to scupper the vote. Amazon denies this. He is recognized within days and so resorts to interviewing delivery drivers see. who tell him that they've, they're penalized for slow deliveries to the extent they have to urinate in bottles because they don't have time to find anywhere to stop for bathroom breaks. Drivers urinating in bottles has been reported in the past, but that wasn't no what wasn't known is that some claim they also get penalized for having those urine-filled bottles in their truck when yeah, they return to the warehouse. Mm -hmm. Drummond denies this and says Amazon drivers receive reminders to take regular breaks on the Amazon delivery app. To avoid penalties, they end up discarding the bottles by the side of the road. Butler searches the roadsides near Amazon warehouses from Coventry to New York to Los Angeles and more often than not strikes liquid gold. From there, it's laughably straightforward <laughs> for Butler to get release listed for sale on Amazon with very few checks and balances in place to ensure the product he's selling is safe and legal. Releasing the drink was surprisingly e easy, Butler told Wired. I thought that the food and drinks licensing would stop me from listing it, so I started it out in this refillable pump dispenser category. Then the algorithm moved it into drinks. At one okay. point, he's even contacted by an Amazon representative ready to handle the package, shipping, and logistics through the fulfillment by Amazon program. Okay. No members of the public were actually sent driver urine. Instead, Butler corralled a group of friends into making the purchases. When he saw the product listed for sale, Butler felt initially really excited and found it very funny, he says. Then when real people started trying to buy the product, it felt a bit, I felt a bit scared. Drummond says this was a, quote, crude stunt and that the company has, quote, industry-leading tools to prevent genuinely unsafe products being listed. If there's a theme to the documentary, it's that this, it's remarkably simple to outwit one of the world's largest companies. For his new trick, Butler gets his nieces, aged four and six, to purchase products that are only intended to be sold to adults. And at least That's got to be so easy to do. I mean, course. we get those stories all the time yeah. where like a kid orders $5,000 worth of anything with their parents' phone. Ice cream, usually. Yeah. Or, or, but yeah, it's so easy for kids to do. Um, yeah, in at least four cases, legally required age verification measures were not in place at either the point of sale or delivery by placing orders with voice control through Alexa. Oh, my God, through Alexa. The girls were able to order knives, uh -huh. saws, and rat poison <laughs> to their front door. Uh -huh. Some of these packages were delivered to Amazon lockers, making it physically impossible for the delivery driver to check whether the person receiving the item was an adult. So then there's a photo of him with his four and six-year-old. He's holding up two giant saws and, a, and, a, and, a, and an array of knives. <laughs> and all-weather so block bait rat poison. And then, of course, Amazon says that they don't do that. Um, and then it just continues to tell more about this movie. But the movie is called The Great Amazon Heist. And it just came out on ch in the UK. So I don't know if you can view it here in America yet, but I'm sure you will be able to soon. Uba Butler is uh, Banana of the Week. Doesn't top Power Banana yeah, status. Not Power course, Banana. No, but he no, is no. Banana of the Week. That is a, that's pretty incredible. Also, like, I... Not a smart man, Kurt, and mm -hmm. I'll be the first to admit that. But, like, Amazon is incredibly good at logistics, right? Like, yes. they have changed the speed. And when you live in certain neighborhoods and certain cities, 
it's not even 24 hours. You can order things and they show up like two hours later. And obviously somebody, somebody is running their ass off to get that done. But wouldn't you think that they would either have places on familiar routes that are Amazon P centers, which is like a standalone bathroom that only their drivers can use, yeah. which seems or, easy. Or in those trucks have a futuristic portal bathroom that you just go, okay, there's like a little toilet like a Winnebago has, yeah. but for drivers, especially if it's urinals. I mean, if they can, it's, if you can pee in a bottle, then you can't have some sort of private little sanitized thing. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a smart man, but I do feel like they could figure that problem out pretty quickly. It is interesting. I did. So this is crazy that they, he was doing this as a prank. Cause when I first TV show I ever sold, yeah, I was 20, 24, maybe 23, 24. Dear Lord, a green banana, a green banana. And uh, I pit, I sold it to Noggin. Do you remember Noggin? Noggin still exists. Of course exists. I do. It's yeah. for tweens. And it was like Noggin was new. And so they were willing to buy things from a 23-year-old yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like a pitch about like a group of kids who worked in a secret underground lair. And their job was to like go out into the world and like cause chaos. Um, uh, very honestly, very similar to Odd Squad, if anybody's seen Odd Squad. But this was before Odd Squad and I did a worse job because I okay. didn't know what the hell I was doing. Of course you did. That. And one of the bits that we did, but each like thing, their noggin has a uh, like they it has to be also have to be teaching at some point. Like things. <laughs> uh-huh. So we're doing this like weird comedy, improv, sketch show, prank show, but have to yeah. be teaching things. So one of the things I had all these kids do was that they were in Washington Square Park selling a drink that looked like yellow Gatorade, which was yellow yeah. Gatorade, but mm-hmm. it was called You're In, like you. R E I N. Get in here. And it was You're all in. about like peer pressure to try and get kids to buy. Uh, urine in a bottle. And Washington Square Park for our international bananas or just our bananas who have never been to New York City is a historically great park to buy drugs. (laughs) 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 It is where before the internet really kicked off, if you needed weed or you needed anything, it's right next to NYU. (laughs) And you can walk out and you, to this day, can either play anybody you want in chess. Anybody you want in chess. some chess savants everywhere. Or just people walk up to you and go, cocaine? And yeah. you go, no thanks, I'm good. I just you can, want to see the fake Arc de Triomphe over here. Yeah, you can play chess or buy a nice bag of oregano or a nice bag of baking powder. <laughs> mm, or for 50 you're bucks. <laughs> or you're in the premium sports drink. So did, did people bite? Did people jump and sip some We were just in? trying to like get people to like take a sample of it. And some people did. They thought it was funny. Um but it's really, really, really difficult to do a prank show with tweens actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just are. They're 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 tweet. They're kids. You know, they're, they're kids. Silly. They're silly gooses. They're silly gooses. They're in middle school. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. not looking cool is mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah, it's, it's the like number one the, worst thing. It's the number one worst thing. So mm-hmm. if anything felt slightly not cool. They just wouldn't do it. So it was uh-huh, kind of doomed from the beginning. 
Um, but That's, who knew? Unless something's already popular, like you had to set, right. you had to be the trendsetter. But if you, there's a hit show and then you get tweens on, they're just like, I will do anything dumb. Exactly. I think y- YouTube and TikTok have proven that over the years. Yeah. Now they're. Wow, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, but the back then it was. I mean, this is two two thousand. Yeah, it's like two thousand. Yeah. <laughs> isn't it funny? Like when you're in Europe, that uh, this is probably a very a very American point of view. But it's funny that it's it's normal and customary to ask for the toilet when you're at a restaurant or a store or wherever you you say can i use your toilet or where's your toilet and it is like cuz in the states we never say that no. cuz i guess we are maybe maybe more embarrassed or something cuz we'll say bathroom Rest or washroom or restroom or outer room I mean, or even water closet. We we nobody says that, but if you yeah. see WC, you know what it is. But it's funny because there's something about saying toilet where it's like you're cutting out all the nuance, all yeah. the bullshit. Yeah. You're like, I need to take a shit or pee right now. And <laughs> it is very it's so funny. funny because saying toilet, there's almost an urgency to it where you almost feel like you're like toilet. Where's the toilet? <laughs> like to say that in an American restaurant, like if you walked into a Pizza Hut and we're like, I need a toilet, they'd be like, Oh my god. <laughs> I know and, it's just like, it's not there's you're you're there's no question you're not going to yeah. wash your hands you're going in there to and also what's fascinating too is that the British or UK in general seems to be a little more proper when it comes to most mm-hmm. things except urination they yeah. pee everywhere you go to London 4 p.m. dudes are just peeing against cars peeing against buildings women but and then 8 p.m. women are just hiking up their skirts and urinating yeah, in the street between parked cars between, i've seen it yeah it's like everywhere <laughs> and it's looney tunes yeah but it is it's that exactly they're just running into places yelling toilet as fast as they can yeah. excuse me do you have a restroom i can use it's like i need a toilet but right it, now it's please. so fascinating that everything else is just a little more proper except bathroom stuff that's fascinating mm-hmm. That's it just is. such a little like twist of a uh, uh, twist of culture that I wouldn't have expected. I am always relieved, not excuse the pun, that um, <laughs> I did not mean to say that. I'm always, um, yeah, I'm relieved. It's a it's a relief when I go and I remember that the pubs close early there because the idea of drinking in London with Brits until two a.m. or four a.m. feels like nobody's getting out alive <laughs> it it feels so risky and every time they're like last call and you're like whatever it is 10 p.m or 11 p.m it's early and you're like oh thank god <laughs> this was about to get so bad god bless you god bless you brits um scotty yeah we love them oh, we, we have so many great british bananas um what time do they close 11 p.m most 11 pubs. p.m but some yeah, on but it's uh, like last calls up until midnight like, on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, ten thirty. So yeah, last calls at ten. Yeah, which is you know responsible. But I I think you're not. My friendship was forged at between like two thirty a.m. and four a.m. at New mm-hmm. York bars that yeah. were like you don't have to leave if you don't want to. Yeah, we will lock the door and keep you here. And we often did. They're like, yeah, you guys can smoke cigarettes once we lock the door. And then you guys would smoke out the window. And then you're like, so there are no rules, basically, is what we're saying here. Hmm, let's see. What do we got? Uh, this one's a fun one. Caroline Flanagan sent this in. Thank you, Caroline Flanagan. Uh, man arrested for faking heart attack 20 times at restaurants to avoid paying the bill. 
wait. <laughs> yeah. This was Kelly Hayes from Fox 9 News, but it was all over the interweb. KMSP, Fox 9, best in the biz. Yeah, a man has been arrested for faking heart attacks 20 times to avoid paying bills at restaurants. He's been arrested 20 times, or he's done it 20 times and then was arrested? Well, he was arrested for doing it 20 times. Okay, so on his 20th time, he got arrested. Yes. Okay, great. Copy that. Alicante, Spain. Alicante sounds beautiful. Mm. A 50-year-old man from Lithuania was recently arrested in Spain after allegedly faking heart attacks at several restaurants <laughs> <laughs> in order to avoid paying the bill, according to multiple local news reports. The man, who is identified only as Itis J., has become known locally as the, quote, gastrojeta or gastrojeta, and has tried to scam uh, people at least 20 times over the past year in different restaurants around Alicante, most recently. <laughs> See, because at first I thought it would be like eating a hot dog and then go, Ugh. but here's what he ordered. Most recently, the man ordered seafood paella and two whiskeys at El Buen Comer um, in late September and had a bill of 34 euros which is about 36 usd the man attempted to leave without paying but restaurant staff stopped him and noted that he still needed to pay his bill the scammer became visibly upset and when he said he was going to get money from his hotel room (laughs) the staff refused to let him go the man dramatically threw himself on the ground and pretended to have a heart attack (laughs) that's what i like the confrontation happens first it's not like mid-meal he's like oh and then you're like bud to get your performance down. It's after he's already in the middle of stealing the food. Yes. <laughs> he is I awful mean, this at is, this. Yeah, this is Tim Robinson level. Yes. Yeah. Itis J is his name. Ida, his, his pseudonym is Itis J. Um, this, uh, not fooled, the staff called police instead of an ambulance, and the man was recognized by local authorities. The restaurant said the man doesn't speak Spanish well, although he does seem to understand it. <laughs> <laughs> the man's image had reportedly been shared among area restaurants to try and stop him from striking again. The Alicante National Police did not immediately uh, respond to a request for comment, but this man was indeed a repeat offender. Quote, he was arrested multiple times in Alicante. The modus operandi was the same every time, a spokesperson said. Uh, the man who refused to provide, oh, the man, meaning Idis J, refused to provide an address to authorities and was taken into custody, handed over to a local judiciary. Um, police spokesman added that they were aware of the man, weren't aware if he was sent to prison, and they don't know. <laughs> How long for? Okay. That means just don't need to report that, uh, according to Insider. Um, so, yeah, he, Idis J, has finally been arrested. It is a hilariously stupid strategy. Yes. But, like, to, to fake it mid meal, people would be like, oh yeah. my gosh, this person's dying. Like, get, get a your fill, get your fill, have a heart attack at the table, have buddies come as the paramedics and wheel you out. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's a. That, I mean, yeah, there's a, I've seen, I mean, I've talked about it once on the pod that that place, the Tiki Bar Steakhouse in Glendale, Damon's, where you and I've been, I was having work drinks there and somebody got wheeled out on a stretcher and Whoa. nothing stopped. They didn't turn the music off. The bartender kept making drinks and I went over, it's like happen all the time because yeah, it does happen a lot here. It really does? <laughs> yeah. He said it like he, 
nobody stopped working. I'll say it that where way. At, where at? Where was that at? Damon's, the Tiki Steakhouse that oh, you and yeah, I go yeah. to sometimes yeah, with no, the big I'm fish not su- tanks and I'm stuff. not surprised. That is primarily over 70 crowd. It's a gray hair crowd. Yeah. But <laughs> I was going to tell this story on, on a live show, but I figured, what the age? A solo app is a reason to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So I sort of had the reverse of this happen. I, I went to this wedding in Manhattan um, which was always the best. Remember, like, you'd put on a suit and just ride a subway yeah, to a wedding. Yeah, it's so, so delightful. You don't have to pay for a hotel or a flight or a rental car. Mm-hmm. You could sleep in your own bed that night. Yep. Like, Manhattan weddings, when you lived in Brooklyn, were so special. So I go to this wedding. It's really fun. It's up, uh, it's up on 51st, and afterwards everybody was like in such a good mood they were like let's go out and the closest place was this place called johnny utah's do you remember that place no it's named after the point break character yeah i think so wow um it was directly next door and it was also by the way johnny utah is i cannot believe a major motion picture had the dumbest name ever possible for a character I know, especially somebody that's supposed to be conspicuous. Somebody that's supposed to just, uh, inconspicuous, yeah. excuse me. Somebody that's supposed to blend in, like he's an undercover agent. They're like, well, let's give him the stupidest name ever. Not not Tim Brown. They were like, how about Johnny Utah? Bobby Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> so we all go, and it was my first time there, and it was a very broy bankery finance bar. It had a mechanical bowl in the middle. Oh, boy. But... Uh, surrounding it was an oval metal fence and then surrounding that were these like booth couch situations kind of like table service but also sort of restaurant in a way mm-hmm. so it's packed we all roll in everybody's happy to see a wedding come in because it's like the bartender's like oh we're about to make some money yeah and this one i need a girl's name i need a woman's name sally look at sally. that easy great. yeah that's a great name so this one woman, Sally, she's a bridesmaid, at the wedding had uh, proclaimed herself to be queen of the open bars, which is a cool, that's cool. Queen, like, queen of the open bars. Yeah. Okay. She's queen of the, she loves an open bar and she was not afraid to show this it. This is, you're definitely floor. in your 20s, right? I'm 25. I'm yeah. a waiter at this time, right. too. I'm still waiting tables. So we go in and we we pile into a couple side by side tables. Everybody else there, like I said, is like finance bros on a Saturday that live in the area. And we start drinking, and there goes Sally, and she goes over and she she's hammered and she gets on that mechanical bull. And the first thing she does is she kind of like hikes up her her bridesmaid dress so her butt and thong are hanging out, and everybody's mm-hmm. sort of cheering. Like uh-huh. the whole place is like this is clearly we're all in a dumb place. Mm-hmm. There's a mechanical bull. Yeah. This is the best case scenario for this to happen. Right. And then in like a matter of maybe two <laughs> moments, not even seconds, not even 10 seconds, but two moments, the bull dips head down, <laughs> turns to the right. Yeah, because that's always how it starts, right? It like dips and yeah, so you go kinda, forward. And then bucks back up and Sally hit, I almost said her real name, S- Sally hits her forehead on the front of the bull so hard (laughs) but everybody's either looking at her butt or drunken in conversation music doesn't stop everybody's rocking out we're all hammered from dancing and drinking at an open bar and then it kind of swings again and then throws her so she just hit her face 
Then it throws her backwards, and she lands on like the nape of uh, her neck, uh, and like does uh, a like oh, folds like a lawn chair oh. in front of, and everybody's like, oh, and like her dress is over her face, butt yeah, overhead. so her, yeah, her hips to her, yeah, butt overhead, like full crunch. And she's kind of like laid out and not everybody's like really paying attention. Some people are like <laughs> laughing and clapping and stuff. But, you know, again, this is what you want to see when there's a mechanical bull in a bar. So, you know, we're in the group and people are like, oh, and I'm like, oh, I think she's really hurt. Yeah. And so a couple of the women jump up and like go over to her. They can't get the gate open, which is very funny. And the, when the women get to her first in our party, they kind of like pull her dress down and stuff first like they kind of make sure she looks okay and when they sit her up her she is so concussed i mean her eyes are so glassy oh my god i mean it It was like everybody's sobered up instantly everybody's like "Uh uh-oh sally is really destroyed she's like crying a little bit but like she's like throws her hands up like she's the shit she's just like judy gemstone on righteous gemstones by the way that's awesome i love that it so so we're all like, oh, God. So we kind of like pay up and everybody's like, oh, maybe this wedding's over. You know, uh-huh. everybody's sort of like, okay, that we oh, tried. Man, the we bridesmaid ruins the after party. Yeah, Sally, queen of the open bars. <laughs> uh, so all the, like a group of the women, the wives and the girlfriends and stuff, take her into the bathroom to clean her up. She's crying. And so all of us kind of go out to the sidewalk and we're all like, yeah. And then we're like, did you see it? I'm like, yeah, she got totaled. Like absolutely smashed your face everybody's like yeah she's probably concussed and then like slowly all the women come out and they're like yeah she's just embarrassed she's really embarrassed she feels terrible and we're like is she throwing up like how concussed is she and she's like no she's just kind of like i think she's just really embarrassed she's looking for her phone (laughs) classic (laughs) a couple more women come out and then we're standing there, and then we're all looking at each other on the sidewalk, like, time to get cabs, time to go home, time to walk away or whatever. And then we're like, where is Sally? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, one of the women run back down in there, and Sally was c- trying to convince the mechanical bull operator to let her go no, back up no, there and no, prove no, herself no. one more time. And so she wanted more. <laughs> Sally wanted more from the night she was... Oh, but with like they dragged her out of there, but she had gotten back in line, waited for everybody to kind of leave her, was looking for her phone, and then was like, "I'll show them." I mean, she would have died. Oh my god! It was so funny. She wanted. She was like, "I have to prove myself. I have to get back <laughs> on that bull and ride," because it lasted exactly one quarter rotation and two dips before she got punched in the forehead and then thrown ass over nose <laughs> at Johnny Utah's. If it's still open. But animals don't don't even go. It's I'm gonna look it up right now. I will tell don't you go. if it's open. I, I would say it's on 52nd or 51st, Johnny somewhere Utah's in the middle. And somewhere in the middle. I see it. One hundred percent is. Ooh. Oh yeah, I am okay. looking at the mechanical bull right now. It's not as padded as mechanical bulls you've seen before, and it is like, big. Yeah, but that it's was a big a very bar. Very large. It's a large bar, and then it's an and the and the, wow it was downstairs and it, it is was like huge. metal is around the edges. Dude, she could have. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't like flip over and get her head stuck between the metal <laughs> railings. It would have just been the perfect end to an otherwise beautiful wedding. Oh, that's interesting. Literally on NYC tourism and convention. Says Johnny Utah's is an underground saloon carved out of a converted bank vault and features the city's only mechanical bull. 
Mm-hmm. The only it, mechanical for a reason. Bull, for a reason. They should have a oh, breathalyzer no, it, it, it on the like, bull. It no, it sounds like it's out of business. I'm not surprised. It was it was chaos. <laughs> it was very strange. It was perfect for an after. Like if you and I, after your wedding up in Ventura, if the only open bar would have been a Johnny Utah's in Ventura with a mechanical bull, it would have been so fun. Like we were all in suits and dresses and yeah. we were having a time. And then it was just like thwap crunch, but nobody really <laughs> clocked it except me and like one or two other other friends and we were like i think she's hurt <laughs> like <laughs> i also think cool about like wedding. that area that that biggest space in new york city like the amount Massive. of money to invest in opening a bar is is a lot it's huge and when you're going to approach investors and they're like what's it called <laughs> And you're like, it's named after a character from the mm-hmm. 1992 <laughs> film Point Break. It's no. such a weird choice. It's so weird. I, I guess agree. they're they're just like, uh, he was dangerous and exciting, and our bar is dangerous and exciting. I mean, like, I don't I know. Is get, that or it? maybe it's like he blew out his knee. You'll blow out your <laughs> neck at Johnny Utah's. <laughs> All right, Scotty, I'll tell you this before we go into a break. Okie dokie, I'm ready. Uh, James Cameron recalls the night the Titanic's crew and cast were poisoned by PCP spike chowder. Mm, I've heard of this. <gasps> you what have? A... I've never heard yeah, of this Yeah, I've heard before. of this. Oh, yeah, I, this is a real one. Uh, okay, well, we'll trip into the back half of a beautiful... Welcome back to Bananas, folks. Scotty, you got any shout-outs for us? I have four beauties. Um, first, a serious and a beautiful one. Lainey. Lainey is shouting herself out after surviving the year. She went through a divorce and a brain tumor diagnosis oh. all in one year. Oh. She had surgery back in June. It was successful. She's four months into living her normal life again. She's a therapist, though now she says she is hard of hearing in one ear, but she survived. And she says to us, Curdy B, thank you for making me laugh during my recovery. Lainey, so happy for you. May the healing continue. Yeah. Beth O'Brien wants to shout out Kurt. The B.O.B. B.O.B. wants to shout out you, Kurt, because you mentioned a band called Mannequin Pussy once, and they popped up on Spotify, and Beth thought, well, Kurt likes them, and so she checked them out, and now Beth is properly obsessed. Mannequin Pussy is a great band. They're very cool. From Philly, baby. Yeah, boy. Um, Cassie Keat, this is my friend. You met Cassie the other night, Curdy B. Won the Audience Award award, uh, with her movie Scream Therapy, which she wrote and directed in Indy. That's exciting. At the Filmland Arkansas competition, and it's going to set her up to get to make her next independent movie in Arkansas. So congratulations, Cassie Keat. Congrats. A very talented friend. Great writer. Great person. And last but not least, Alex Rice wants to shout out uh, her partner or their partner, Dewey. Sorry, Alex. Or or his partner. Sorry, did not look into that. My apologies. Uh, Dewey composed an opera 
based on Night of the Living Dead called Night of the Living Opera. Bananimals. Nice. It is at the Milwaukee Opera Theater at the end oh, of October. That's awesome. So if you are a Milwaukee Bananimal or you're a Wisconsin Bananimal, support Dewey, support the arts, go see some zombie opera at the Milwaukee Opera Theater. It's called Night of the Living Opera. Nice. That is that is a, a delightful set of shout outs, Scotty. Thank you. I tried to, I had a little extra time today and I tried to spice them up. That was curated incredibly well. Thank you. Here I'll it take is. Take the compliment. This Hit one, me, homeboy. Also sent to me by my brother, Walter Brownoller. We got a double Walter Brownoller send in. Ding, 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 ding. James Cameron recalls the night's Titanic's cast and crew were poisoned by PCP Spike Chowder. And I, the original one that I saw this on was actually a video that he sent me of. Bill Paxton talking about it. But I found Amazing. an article on the CBC. Um, yeah, this really happened. This is a really. This was written by Vivian Rashat. Vivian. Ooh. Ooh. Vivian. Ooh. Soak her words in your eyes. Best in the best. It's a story that became one of Hollywood's most intriguing mysteries, got fact-checked by Snopes, and entered East Coast lore. On the final day of shooting for Titanic in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, dozens of the film's cast and crew were drugged with PCP spike chowder. Quote, that is a 100% true story, director James Cameron told Power in a new interview about the 25th anniversary of Titanic. You haven't lived until you've been high on PCP, which, by the way, I do not recommend to anyone. Mm-hmm. PCP, also known as phenocyclidine or angel dust, is a mind-altering drug that can lead to hallucinations and psychosis. It can also work as a stimulant, depressant, and anesthetic. This is, it's very fascinating. It's the weirdest. It's because, like, uh, th- it's one of the few drugs I have never tried. And, 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 but I've only know it from... 80s and 90s movies where people would talk about PCP. They would mention angel yeah. dust a lot. Like it was mentioned a lot. And what would lot. they say? And what would they say? The one thing that, I that, remember is that... I know where you're going. Yeah. In Terminator, he smashes his hand through... The robot smashes his hand through a, the, the, the front windshield of a car. And then the cop is like, you know what? Somebody on PCP could smash their hand through the front window of a car and they wouldn't even feel it. And I was like, what is this drug? I was like immediately fascinated by it. Yeah. Well, they would also say, oh, somebody got high on PCP or angel dust and they climbed to the top of a building and jumped off and thought they were Superman and lived. Yeah. Or someone would be like, dude, I went to this concert and I smoked a joint. But it was laced with PCP, and I went crazy. I've heard that, too. You've heard that? Where it's just like, I don't, what, why is, what? Why are people just lacing it, wheat with PCP and not telling you? Why are they giving you extra drugs for free? extra drugs? It's the question. <laughs> it's the fentanyl question. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, this was back in the 80s where it was like, why are people just giving away this drug? It's the same question about the fentanyl that we have today. Actually, this is a very good podcast episode. About it's a two, it's a two episode um, exploration of why is fentanyl showing up in other street drugs? Um, yeah, it makes no sense. And it's on the podcast Search Engine. I would highly recommend listening to it. I like Search Engine in general. Um, cool. It's um, by the guy JP who used to do. Uh, he used to co-host Reply All. Oh sure. Yeah. 
and now this is his new podcast. And I saw that uh, the Mexican, you know, the drug kingpins down in Mexico last week. There were a bunch of articles. A few bananas sent it to us. Basically, said if you put fentanyl in our drugs, we'll kill you. Yes, that, to, that was a new to thing. The lower level, yeah. I mean, so they're trying to keep fentanyl out of their please. drugs too. Please, they have standards. It's so crazy. And the only explanation, like they actually, so he does the two parts of the the podcast are one he talks to um, a journalist who has covered it a lot. So he has his cool. own theory about why fentanyl is showing up in street drugs other than heroin, and uh, and then he talks to a a guy who's incarcerated who actually sold, who actually put fentanyl in his drugs, and he was like, "Why was he doing it?" Yeah. What gives? That's what I say. Yeah. What gives? And I don't, it's not a satisfactory answer on either side Mm, for me. It never is. But it is a lot of information. You should listen to them. And the bucket of PCP was like the whitest kids you know. That was like one of their very most famous sketches. Remember that one? No. Walking through the park with a bucket of PCP. (laughs) And they're like, really? (laughs) Just walking right through the park. No lid on it or anything. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot. That was a cl- they had a couple that stayed around. That was one of the two that really stuck around for the whitest kids. You know, a sketch team from New York City. Um, here it keeps going. Actor Bill Paxton was among those who ate the chowder, but the film stars Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet were spared as they weren't on set at the time. At first, Cameron thought the affected cast and crew had eaten contaminated shellfish, which can be life threatening. So they're all rushed to a small local hospital. There was an emergency room with no one in it, and like a nurse, and 85 crew members walk in, recalled the director. We don't know what's going on, and basically somebody had taken a pound of PCP and dumped it into the chowder. I don't know how he knows it's a pound. A pound of PCP, everybody's dead, okay? Everybody's dead. Unless it's a thousand gallons of chowder. Yeah. Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal. James Cameron doesn't do drugs. Uh, It remains a mystery as to who would want to poison the cast and crew of Titanic or what their motivation was, but Cameron has his own theory. Quote, we have a pretty strong suspicion who it was, although it was never proven, (laughs) he said. We believe the story is that it was somebody who had a beef with the caterers because the first thing we did was fire the caterers. And, you know, sure enough, we had some leads on that. Of course, the operating theory was that I was such a psychomaniac... That the perpetrator was trying to get back at me, but I reject that theory out of hand for obvious reasons. That's what a psychotic maniac does, is he rejects that theory out of hand without considering it. Yeah. That is a psychotic maniac's choice. Okay. Yes, he really is. So the Bill Paxton interview that I saw about this is a little bit stranger in a way. He's like... He, they were shooting, and he doesn't. He hated the. He hated the. Um, <laughs> he hated the caterers, and he mentions that in a, in an interview with Larry um, King. Larry King. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't like the. So I don't. I didn't usually eat their food, but James and I were having a conversation, and James was getting food from the truck. So I said, Okay, I'll get some. So I had a couple of bowls. He said he had a couple of bowls of chowder. Two bowls, two bowl packs. He go, okay. He goes back to his trailer. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, he sees, like, ambulance pull up, and then he notices, like, people are acting crazy and weird outside. And he's like, what's up? They're like, did you eat the, uh, the chowder? And he's like, couple bowls. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you got to go to the hospital. So he goes to the hospital, and he, he recounts the same story where it's just, like, this tiny hospital in the middle of nowhere. And everybody, so, but then when they figure out that it's PCP, he says, he looked around, and he's like, I'm not going to hang out at the emergency room 
So he just said, James, I'm going to get out of here. And he just went home and he drank a case of beer. That's what Smart. He, <laughs> he fought it with beer. <laughs> That's what Bill Paxton does on PCP is he just rides the wave, baby. I love that. Bill Paxton was the best. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. He was so good in everything. And what a great guy to drink a case of beers with. No kidding. I think he Damn. put the PCP in the clam chowder. Yeah. Uh. That's so good. Yeah, I've heard that story. And I did a pilot uh, with our friend Emily Heller, mm -hmm. great writer and comic. We had a TV show or just a TV pilot called Alienated, and it was about a young woman who in her town was just like, she lied all the time. She told, she would just be like, I'm this, I'm that, I'm related to this person. Mm -hmm. Everybody couldn't stand her. So she's like, well, screw this town. My family doesn't believe me. My friends don't like me. I'm out of here. And when she's about to drive and leave, she... Stops on the side of the road to pee, mm -hmm. bringing it back to the first circle, our first story. And something happens to her. And she goes into a police station. It was like, I was abducted by aliens. And then nobody believes yeah. her. So that was played by Mae Whitman, the great actress who we should definitely have She's on the, the pod. She's the best. She's a friend. She's a great time. So Mae goes in, nails the first couple takes. And this caterer comes around. And I was show running. And the caterer's got these two trays of food. Um, just like a little in-between snack for everybody. And the, the first thing that went through was ceviche. Oh, boy. So he's got these little plastic cups of ceviche with little spoons sticking out, and everybody's grabbing them because people just eat like crazy on set. Yeah. And I like, didn't take any. Yeah, because it's like a, it's half boredom and half just like you don't get access to food very much. That's true. And it's great free food. You'll never say no to. And yeah. also for the performers and for a lot of people, your adrenaline's kind of pumping because, mm -hmm. you know, it's the thrill of being on set. You don't want to mess it up. So this guy, Jason, who's one of the producers, was like, it's really good. You don't want any. And I looked right at him. And I never sit down when I'm on set. I just stand the whole time because as soon as I sit, I get tired. So I was like, I'm going to be the one person at Video Village watching the monitors tomorrow when you guys all have food poisoning. And he goes, that's hilarious. And the next day, no. they were all gone. No. Every, the ceviche got him. It was not, it, that, shockingly, now, 11 a.m. ceviche. I now trust Scotty. I do trust Scotty about this stuff because I, I have a iron stomach. I can mostly eat anything I yeah, want. Yeah, you do. However... We were at City Winery, and uh, they had oysters. We were doing our show in Atlanta at City Winery, <laughs> and, just, and I was like, oh, oysters. And Scotty was like, you really going to? You've seen what's going on out there right now, right? <laughs> like The setup was <laughs> Looney Tunes at City Winery. Yes, and he's like, extremely think, nice people. Extremely nice people, but like so disorganized. He's like, you're going to, you think, <laughs> you think, really? And I was like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> While setting up our very simple Bananas Live setup, we'll see you soon, Baltimore, Richmond, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, we put out Charlie Fromage. We, I have a tablecloth. We set up our mics. In that time period, maybe, maybe eight minutes to take us to set up, we heard between four and 12 wine glasses shatter on the floor. We heard several people congratulate each other or tell each other to shut the F up. And so, yeah, people I don't know were if... screaming at each other for like 45 minutes while we just sat and waited for our tech to be done. Yeah. 
just waiting for them to play back our intro song <laughs> got that wrong. So yeah, I don't know if you want that zoo crew exactly shucking oysters. <laughs> also, we're in Atlanta, which is pretty close to the Atlantic. I mean, if we were doing a show in Apalachicola, I'd be like, yeah, that does sound good. <laughs> I think we dodged a major bullet. So. Also, the steak they served us, delicious. It was a delicious steak. It was a fun night, thanks to all the bananas who came out. We had a good time. That was a fun Send us home, Scotty. How much time we got? Okay, uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to do one, but it might become two stories, because one's really short and funny. Okay, great. You mentioned Snopes. It reminded me of this. And so Eden Edmison, or Eden Edmison, which is a great name, uh, sent this in. Thank you, Eden or Eden. I bet you it's Eden. Mm-hmm. Is Hugh Grant's middle name Mungo? <laughs> I mean, I hope this article just says, yes, it is. And then that's the whole thing. <laughs> is this a Snopes His article? Actor, it's a Snopes article. Hugh Mungo. You, you reminded me of this. So Hugh is- Mungo Grant. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You already got to the best part. So, um, actor... Hugh Grant, a very successful actor, has had a nice renaissance lately. Uh, This was on Snopes.com, written by Dan Yvonne in April 2021. An interesting tidbit about actor Hugh Grant was widely circulated on social media. One social media user pointed out that the Love Actually Star's middle name was Mungo. (laughs) Molly Conger on Twitter, who is socialist dog mom on X, I guess it is now, Also, I left X two weeks ago, Curdy B. I think I'll leave too. Uh, so I don't if any go there anymore. Following me, I didn't block you. I've never blocked anyone. I left the platform. It is a it's flaming trash. pile of camel diarrhea. So Molly Conger wrote, "Melting down at the discovery that Hugh Grant's middle name is Mungo Humungo Grant." <laughs> Someone <laughs> held a tiny newborn infant in their arms and said, "This is my baby, Humungo Grant." <laughs> According to Snopes, this is mostly true. What? No, no. His name is Hugh John Mungo Grant. No, no. Yes, it is. It's a true story. (laughs) Hugh, what? Hugh John Mungo Grant. Which also just sounds like Hugh Jamungo Grant, which is also sounds like an 80s version of it, like Cowabunga or something. Hugh John Mungo Grant. Biography.com writes, actor Hugh John Mungo Grant was born September 9th, <laughs> okay. 1960, London, Mungo. England. So Damn. why is he named that? Also, he said during video um, oh, in a legal proceeding oh. in 2011, Grant was one of several public figures to testify in a public inquiry into the British press. And when he had to give his name, Grant responded, Hugh John Mungo Grant. <laughs> Grant also mentioned his middle name on social media. Um, he mentioned his middle name while referring to St. Mungo, a 6th century missionary and patron saint of the city of Glasgow, Scotland. And he, so, is yes. he Scottish? Is Hugh Mungo Grant Scottish? Well, he's British. Okay. Yeah. He was think born he was in London. Scottish. He looks like the most British man. Yeah, he really does. In the world. If you looked up British man or British man goes toilet, uh, it would be Hugh Grant <laughs> running frantically through a pizza hut to a toilet. So this is one more little fold to this I, to this story. I love every fold. So I looked up Mungo name origin. 
And mm. this is not the the Scottish Mungo, but um, there is a name Mungo, and it's uh, it's it's you use mostly in Africa, and it's a Yoruba origin, meaning famous. Wow! And Hugh Mungo Grant is famous. famous. <laughs> He's very famous. There was a time he was extremely famous. I mean, Hugh Mungo Grant. That is amazing. Humongo Grant. So that was a quickie. And then I'll roll us right into our final story, which is a feel-gooder. Rita may be a PETA sent this in. Rita may be a PETA sent many good stories in. Thank you, Rita. You're <laughs> truly becoming a top-tier animal. This was in People Magazine, people.com. Written by the best in the beeswax, Sabrina. Good at reporting wise. Thank you, Sabrina. Chicago Marathon runner sacrifices her personal record to help a stray kitten at mile 21. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a feel good. It's a feel it's good. A f- for the, the cat loving bananas out there, which is 90% of our audience, here you go. Marathon runner Sarah Bohan tells People Magazine that she was nearing the mile 21 of a race when she spotted a, quote, tiny, matted, and crying kitten on the sidelines of the race. The marathon runner's race turned into a rescue mission. 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 There we go. Um, while running the Chicago Marathon on Sunday, Boston resident Sarah Bohan told herself, uh, focusing on the fluff instead of speed, when she saw the abandoned kitten on the sides of the race, she's 26 years old. She was nearing mile 21. Boy, this is repetitive. All right, you're getting downgraded to mediumist in the biz, Sabrina. Um, she spotted a white fluffy thing on the sidewalk. It had to have been only one pound. The poor thing's fur was matted. It had marks underneath its eyes from not being well. It was just crying. I turned around and scooped up the cat because nobody else seemed to notice the little creature. Despite being on track to achieve her own personal marathon record, Bohan says she didn't think twice about slowing down to save the cat. I didn't care about my time. This was my sole focus. And that just shifted my race entirely for the better, she continues. Of course. Saying that fellow runner Gia Nigro uh, saw her pick up the kitten and joined in the rescue mission. There's a very lovely photo of these two women. The pair walked along the sidelines of the race after taking in the feline. I wasn't going to run with this cat. I didn't want to injure it, she explains. And after they walked the last five miles of the race... Uh, the two cat moms watching the race stepped up and said, we will take this cat. So two women on the sidelines said, we will adopt this cat, basically. I love that. So after the kitten was in safe hands, Bohan and Negro finished the race together, even stopping to help another woman who had fallen. This is just great Samaritan stuff. Uh, the three runners crossed the finish line together. She did not beat her personal best, but still finished the race with three hours, 31 minutes, and 35 seconds, which is um, only 19 minutes slower than her personal best. So she, she'll get it next time. Fantastic. Sarah, we believe in you. And yeah, that's, uh, that's um, sort of in submissions. I guess she says, I would have dropped out of the race and brought it to a vet because that's what you do when you have a pet in need. The obligation of a human compassion just kicks in instinctually, and I didn't care about the race at that point. I was like, this cat needs someone, and I might have to be that person, and I'm okay with that because that was my responsibility. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. Congratulations. Be like that person. Sarah Bohan. Yep. What a great... You're freezing a little bit all of a sudden, but 
I think we're going to finish strong here because I think this was. Yep. A Let's finish up on our own. We, we can't hear each other, so we're we just going to go other. with now it. Now we're just talking over each other. <laughs> Bananas. I will call you on the phone to discuss tomorrow. <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> Bananas for the third time. Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas! Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.